uh, I guess uh, my health is better. I, of course, had contacted the virus when I was in Europe. <clears throat> and mm. It's uh, quite a bit better. I'm quite a bit better now. So that's good. And uh, we had, um, I wanted to write something about it, but I didn't get the time yet. An unfortunate uh, event this week, and it was the passing of Denu, Kam Denu. Oh. He was our original uh, Jersey cow who started our whole dairy. And um, she'd been with us for about 15 years. She had a stroke and um, passed away. We found her in the, in the morning. So that was unfortunate. In the last, what, couple months or quarter of a year, we, we lost two cows. We have three, three, three now with us. But um, you know, she served here for uh, a long time and uh, we, we buried her here also as we have some other cows that have passed away over the years. Um, so some of you are familiar with Danu and had a firsthand experience of her. So that's, uh, she's moved on to a better place. Do you plan on <clears throat> getting any more cows? No, we don't plan on getting, we, we stopped the dairy, so. So it's <clears throat> just kind of taking care of the cows you have and. Yeah, and it's much easier to do and they've got a good, you know, quite a good situation, so. Nice. Um, that's uh, just nice to have them here. But other than that, um, your book, book going on. I mean, then John's Litsaki hands. She's doing the proofreading. She's done uh, half, more than half now. So I think it'll be done. Well, her work will be done this month, and then maybe in September we'll have to begin uh, designing it. So. It's uh, it's it's quite before powerful. the end of the year. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> We're gonna hold you to that. I think. Uh, I hope so. Yeah. I hope so too. Really do. Okay. Well, um, we have our first question by um, one of the new initiatives. Initi one of the new initiated devotees, Krishna Kanai. Okay. Good morning. Hare Krishna, good morning, Guru Maharaj Pranam. Um, so I was wondering, um, one of my friends, uh, she's organizing an interreligious youth camp, um, and she asked me to give a workshop on Hinduism. Um, so uh, it's going to be kids from Palestine, from Israel, and from Austria. They're going to be like 16 to 20 years old, and the, the workshop is like one to two hours. So, and specifically, they were asking me, uh, which I find awesome, uh, to uh, teach them mantras. So I was just wondering which, you know, one or two mantras would you think are suitable? Um, and also what are really important things that I should not forget? I mean, I have like my ideas, but I just wanted to use this opportunity to ask for, you know, better guidance. So, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it's uh, nice that you have that opportunity. Um, I would, uh, with regard to mantras, I would, um, only share with them non-mantras like the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra or Govinda Jai Jai, Gopal Jai Jai would be good also, but not uh, 
dietary mantras, diksha mantras, mantras that are um, to be chanted with certain restrictions and um, and so on and so forth, as opposed to non-mantras, which are um, um, can be widely uh, distributed and so forth. Hariharaya Nama Krishna, Yadavaya Namaha, Govinda Jaya Jaya, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, like those, those types of um, mantras, if you will. And then otherwise, um, I would uh, I guess I would stress that the uh, Hindu religion, which is the dominant religion of the East, out of which Buddhism has arisen, Buddha was originally a Hindu, um, tends to be inclusive in its nature, whereas the Abrahamic religions tend to stress exclusivity. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a big difference between uh, East and, and West. Um, and um, Excuse me. I would also um, stress that uh, there are important universal concepts within Hinduism that are applicable in other to other religious traditions cross culturally. Karma, gyan, bhakti. So, karma means that orientation to a religious tradition in which the practitioner is primarily concerned with acquisition, praying to God for things. And then gyan, as it is described in Hinduism, refers to an orientation to a whatever particular religious tradition um, of one's choice, an orientation that 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 um, is in pursuit of mystical experience and personal sainthood. Hmm? So the, the so you have, for example, in Islam, you obviously have, or Christianity, you, 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 to use two examples. Uh, even in Buddhism, you know, you have prayers for give me this, give me that, yam, nam, yoho, renge, kyo, and so forth. So those are, that's a karmic orientation, you know, the, 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 the Islamists want, you know, to get 99 women or whatever it is in heaven, or I don't know what, it, you know, what's their goal is that Christians have their goals for acquisition and so forth. And then in these traditions, let's say, let's say Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, you have mystics also. You have Sufis within Islam. You have your, your tradition of saints in Catholicism hmm, who are not in pursuit, by contrast, of worldly acquisition, but are in pursuit of experience of the elusive uh, soul, if you will, the self. Hmm. So that's karma, that's jnana, and these are, and then you have bhakti. Mm -hmm. um, and <coughs> bhakti is, is um, I would say, um, a mystical orientation that rather than simply in pursuit of the experience of the self, mm -hmm, is in pursuit of experience of the self 
in relation to God in loving um, rapport. Mm -hmm. So you have karma, which is ignorance, acquisition of material things. Mm -hmm. You have gyan, which is knowledge that, well, there's something in the world that's better. Uh, there's something in life. Uh, there's more to life than things. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's us. And, and then you have the bhakti orientation. Not only is it us, but, but our source uh, as well, with whom we can have loving rapport and movement, uh, if you will, celebratory movement and transcendence. Now, I'd be careful um, in speaking about karma as ignorance, um, that orientation is, I would, I would, I would frame it as being not, not focused on the, on the heart of what the tradition is about. Someone is needs to mute themselves. They're making a lot of noise in the back. It might be. I don't know. Anyway, so. Uh, um, and, and, and then I would emphasize that the karmic orientation to religion is not bad, but when it's seen as the goal, hmm, then it becomes a problem. And then you have these feuds between religious traditions, fighting over symbols and uh, what clothes to wear, what, what prayers to sing, um, um, and so on and so forth. Um, and you don't have that kind of religious friction between the mystics, per se, comparatively. So I would emphasize that that would, that would be my approach to it. I mean, you can factor that into what you've already thought about and see if it, uh, it works for your presentation. Let us know how it goes. Yes, thank you. Um, may I have a follow-up question? Um, yeah. So I've been in these like interfaith settings before, and uh, I've really um, uh, people uh, express their like offensiveness over you know God having a form, um, and so. I mean, for me, I mean, you know, I don't have to like defend Krishna, uh, but how would you, I mean, how do you deal with that if people are, you know, kind of like, what do you know? The Islamic you know? tradition in particular, it, it tends to be against the form of God. In the Jewish tradition, the name of God is thought to be so holy that it can't be chanted. And what, what I would say, so it's a similar idea. I don't think that the, what the Hindus what the what the what we are against along with islam is making up in your own mind a form of god hmm? um, that would be idolatry it's your own idea so to speak but we we we're, we're, we, we uh, uh, have information through our scriptures about transcendental uh, forms form of god um, so we agree that God has no material form and to give God a material form, you know, we, we, we don't agree with that, but, that, but there's such a thing as spiritual form. Um, we think of form as a limitation and therefore we say that God doesn't have the form, but form can also be facilitating. So I've given an example many times, if you take a glass of water, well, the glass is a form and it certainly facilitates drinking the water, it doesn't get in the way. So there's ways in which form 
to facilitate. Let's take art, for example, music. These are feelings, really. But when they take a shape, then they can be appreciated and so forth. So does love have a shape? Does love, love have a form hmm? which it, through which it ex, uh, expresses itself? Um, that would be the idea, love taking shape, something like that. It's nothing material. So we could say we agree with the idea that God doesn't have a material form, hmm? but that, that, that there can be spiritual forms. It's another thing. Uh, just like if you take, for example, the self, consciousness, and you invest it in material ingredients in a particular way, wood, fire, stone, air, earth, you get a house. And that's a form. So consciousness invested in material raw ingredients can give a shape. So if consciousness is invested in itself, in pursuit of its source, could there not be consciousness constituted shapes and forms that facilitate love, the expression of love? That's the way I would try to talk about it. Thank you. That was wonderful. I let you know how it goes. It's uh, still like four more weeks to go, and so I can prepare. And yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's important to let your audience know that that the object of the objective of such gatherings or whatnot is to try to enter into the mind and the thinking and the feeling of the other tradition and look at it from their point of view instead of remaining stuck on your side over here with your arguments only and see if those those arguments that you make can be better understood even hmm, for what they're really talking about hmm, by entering into another tradition because after all if you have saints in each tradition, then how can you, what, what can, you, you can't argue too much with the tradition if it can produce the result, right? You could say Hinduism is wrong because I'm a Christian and I don't believe in Jesus, but you find people who, who, are, who are saints in Hinduism, well, you have to rethink your, 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 your understanding, right? What, what Christianity is really saying when it, when it seems to speak of an exclusivity. Anyway, good luck with that. Okay, right. hey, um, Gayatri? Hi, Krishna. Can you hear me? Yes. Um, so I have a question that goes kind of along the same line uh, as Krishna and I. Um, so I have fairly recently been made aware that my father thinks that I am in a sect. And not you are what? My father thinks that I am in a sect. And, 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 and not the good kind. And I, I'm just curious, how would you present Krishna consciousness to someone that does not believe in God? Um, well, um, you kind of brought up two things there. It's one thing not to believe in God. I guess maybe your father doesn't. It's another thing to say that you're in a sect that's bad, which would mean that there were good sects. sects. 
Um, so I would present, first of all, that, that to my father that I would, I'm a member of Hinduism. It's one of the largest uh, wor world religions. And um, it's been around for a very, very long time. There are different um, sects within Hinduism because of its inclusive nature, but Hinduism is a pretty big tradition um, and there are whole countries that are Hindus, uh, practically speaking. So um, I would try to ally his fears of uh, your, of his daughter is in some kind of harmful sect by giving it the broader context. That's one thing. It's a, uh, we're Hindus. Um, uh, secondly, um, you ask about um, how to talk to an atheist about God. I, I would begin by saying that, um, that we um, define consciousness uh, to be non-material, immaterial, maybe be a more scientific term, immaterial. Um, and that, it, that we, that, uh, that, that we, by nature, are not uh, chemical or biological, but, but spiritual. And that means that we are consciousness constituted. And, um, and this is an idea that is also um, held by uh, a good number of people in the scientific community. Hmm? Um, who are uh, trying to understand the nature of, of reality. Hmm? And therein, uh, a very pressing question is, what is the nature of consciousness? Hmm? Is consciousness an epiphenomenon of the brain? Or the, 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 the reverse of that is just, if not as, if not more reasonable, is the world out there, an epiphenomenon of consciousness. Hmm? We turn, we we look at it the other way around, and we're not alone in that. Hmm? Um, uh, you can suggest to him a book by Donald uh, Hoffman. Hmm? Uh, I forget the name of the book, but his his recent book. Um, um, scientists and um, teacher, University of California, well-known. Um, but look at his most, his re most recent book. And there you get basically a material, a scientifically credible uh, uh, position on the nature of consciousness that agrees with, with Hinduism. Mm -hmm. So, uh, better to approach like that and dismiss, as he probably does, these fairy tale type ideas about God. We're we're not we're not you know part of that you know some man on a cloud, you know, 
uh, you know, or, or anything like that. Uh, old man on a cloud, or somebody with no face, or, or, or whatever. But um, um, it's not a question of whether we, people say, do you believe in a soul? Well, we say, do you believe in consciousness? Which makes the question kind of stupid. Of course, you have to believe in consciousness. Now, consciousness is the basis of any belief. Without, you can't believe without consciousness. We say that consciousness is, we say that the, the material world, the objective world is only whatever it is, all we know about it is a conscious perception, subjective perception of it. So consciousness is primary and the external objective world is secondary. We reverse things, that's all. We think that the subjective realm is, is more, uh, is primary, not the objective realm. Modern world is trying to say the objective world is primary, subjective world is second. We don't live like that. We live like the subjective world is primary. Emotions are primary, our feelings are primary. Uh, to try to dismiss all that and say that what reality really is, is feelingless, meaningless, purposeless. Mm -hmm. We don't find that very compelling. Now, good luck. I mean, I could explain it pretty well, but you know, you have to practice <laughs> at that. But that, that's where I, I would I would take the argument in that in that direction. Okay, thank you so much. Okay. <coughs> good to see you. So Krishna, can I put the um the name of the book in the chat so you can put see the book that. There? What's the Case the Against Reality, Why Evolution Hid the Truth from Our Eyes by Donald Hoffman. Yeah, and there's a book, he accepts evolution, but of course he looks at it from, you know, a whole different perspective and, and that's very useful. So I think your father would be um, impressed if he read that book and thought, this is what my daughter thinks along these lines. Hmm. Nice. Okay. Hi. What else? John. Hari John does. Hari John. Maharaj. I I want to ask if you could explain the concepts like Svanishta, Parinishta, and Nirapeksha. Yes, these are three terms coined by Baladev Vidyabhushana. Baladev Vidyabhushana is a later um, Acharya in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, who um, um, gave new life to Gaudiya Vaishnavism in his time by his scholarship and in particular by his commentary on Vedanta Sutra. Um, it's very significant, um, his contribution in this regard, because uh, to be known in the world today, as Gaudiya Vaishnavism is, as one of the schools of Vedanta, if you will, is very prestigious. Hmm? There are many st strands of Hinduism, many yogis and gurus, whatnot and so forth, but uh, they're not necessarily connected to a school of Vedanta. Hmm? And to, to be so connected and to be acknowledged as such is very prestigious. Now. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu didn't feel there was a need for a commentary on the Bhagavatam, on the Vedanta Sutra, because he said the Bhagavatam is a commentary, 
and he quoted the Guru Purana in this regard. That's well enough and good, good and well enough. But what Baladev did in his time with that commentary and his other extensive uh, uh, contrib literary contribution was significant in terms of elevating the status of Gaudi Vaishnavism within the Hindu uh, community. So, um, he coined these terms, Swanishta, Parinishta, and Mirapiksha. And Swanishta, these are three types of devotees. Swanishta is a devotee that, um, that has um, <coughs> aspirations, if you will, um, short of the goal. Um, the goal is also his or her aspiration, but other aspirations that um, the Swanista tries to attain in the context of bhakti. Hmm. So it's kind of a sakama devotee with desire. Hmm. Um, uh, might, for example, want to practice bhakti with the interest and the curiosity of going to Brahmaloka, going to the heavens, checking it out along the way, um, um, and, and so forth. Um, this is, I wouldn't put Gopakumar Bhagavatamrita in that section, that's a different situation, but um, the Swanishta is, is such. Now the Parinishta is uh, typically uh, a Grihasta also, like the Swanishta, um, and by grihasta means, well, has a, some worldly orientation, family, needs a livelihood, so on and so forth, but a, but a Vaishnava nonetheless. Um, but the Parinishta is one who is um, involved in Varnashram Dharma, for example, only for the purpose of setting example for other people within a Varnashram type of um, social system, mm -hmm. but not with the idea that my bhakti will be enhanced by performing Varnashram or that my bhakti will be uh, um, damaged by not performing Varnashram. He or she doesn't think that. He or she knows that my that bhakti is a path unto itself that transcends Varnashram. Mm -hmm. But in a Varnashram society, the Parinishta devotee does the rituals, does the, you know, what Hindus do and, and so on and so forth without attachment. Hmm? That's the Parinishta. The Nirapeksha is then the renunciate, who's given up the world altogether and is living the life of a contemplative, or it could be the life of preacher. Hmm? Um, um, but is uh, is a renunciate. So uh, the, the renunciate has no rules that he or she has to follow. Mm. Um, uh, of course, they do cert follow certain rules and so forth, but they don't. They don't have to. <laughs> so does that help? It's a basic idea. Mm. Yes. So does that correlate with like uh, Madhya? Um... Kanisha, Madhyam, and Uttama, or it's a little bit different? No, not really, no. It's a, it's a different idea. Um, 
and um, as, I've, as I've explained it. And there are those. Um, I mean, certainly, I mean, this, this Vanishta would be Kanishta in his orientation for the most part. Um, that, that's a given. But uh, I mean, you could make, I suppose you could make a rough, you know, comparison. Um, but one could be a Parinishta and be an Uttam, Uttam Bhakta at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, so Grihe Tako, Bane Tako, Sadahadi Bodhidako. So it really doesn't, whether one is, a, is officially a renunciate or one is officially a Grihasta, mm -hmm. if internally they have foregone material pursuit and only are engaged in the pursuit of, 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 of bhakti, then that they are um, equal. Mm -hmm. Does that help? Thank you. Okay. Yeah. So, Sajan, you want to ask your question? Yes, thank you, Didi. Dandavats Maharaj. Um, it, this is a two part question uh, based on my readings of the Chaitanya Bhagavat. Uh, in the Madhyakanda, there's one incident where uh, Mahaprabhu is uh, at, the, at the home of uh, Srivas Thakur, engaged in kirtan, and um, he suddenly says, I'm, I'm not feeling any ecstasy, I must not have any love for Krishna. And he, and he runs out of the house and he, go, and he jumps into the Ganga to drown himself. And so Nityananda Prabhu and um, Haridas Thakur, they leap into the Ganga right after him and, and rescue him. They, they pull him out. Um, so the first part of the question is, um, so with the understanding that uh, the Supreme Lord is Triguna Rahitam, uh, beyond the influence of all of the components of nature, that's understood. But there is, it appe there's an appearance, some ap uh, appearance of being very impulsive, impassioned, etc., rajasic, apparently. Um, so my fr the first part of the question is, uh, this is, of course, when, um, when Mahaprabhu was actually um, Krishna and Radha together um, in this incarnation. But, of course, we have heard that in all the other incarnations, it is, it is Gaur Narayan or, Vi or Vishnu who comes as, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, is it written anywhere in the writings of the Goswamis or anyone else's writings that um, in uh, when when uh, when Mahaprabhu comes as uh, as Gaur Narayan, are is his um, behavior more of an appearance of sattvic rather than rajasic appearance wise? Uh huh. Yeah. 
Well, um, first of all, it, it, as you know, um, there are uh, spiritual emotions that uh, um, may appear uh, to be material. Therefore, it said, it's very difficult to understand a Vaishnava who may be acting in ways that ordinary people do, hmm? <laughs> uh, even while their heart and the motivation of their action is entirely different. Hmm? Um, so um, certainly that's the case with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and there are any number of examples. He took sannyas because the Brahmin students didn't understand his ecstasy when he chanted gopi, gopi, gopi and criticized them for uh, telling him to chant Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. Um, <laughs> so uh, some commentary is, is, is required that we may um, understand something about transcendental emotions. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, I, I said that the kirtan was the method to his madness and he was, he was quite, quite mad. Um, so, uh, um, and, and those things about him and those incidences in which his madness comes to the surface and so forth, this is this characterizes Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. These are not things that happened here, an incident here, here, there, another, another incident, another, but either, but overall, it, it, it actually characterizes Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. If you were to take away those moments, there would be nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, therefore, he was the very, um, and, and if, indeed, this is why the Goswamis labored to locate him on the map of the scripture. What is this uh, about? It's obviously spiritual. <laughs> what is it about? And they came to the conclusion, this is Mahabhav. Hmm? Uh, Mahabhav. So yes. he is... Mahabhav Rasaraj Duyek Rup. Hmm? He is the yes. Mahabhav of Radha, corresponding with the Rasaraj Krishna, the two in one form. Hmm? And so it's to be expected. This is this is characteristic of him, this madness, this F. This is Mahabhav. This is not just Bhav, but this is Mahabhav. Hmm? And um, and it is the it is the um, uh, that which Radha is the personification, so the fullest expression of the ecstatic love of God. Hmm? This is Radha, you know, in, in, in taking form, right? The form of that, and, and here Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Is. So, it, it, it's this characteristic of him. This differentiates him. Hmm? This is uh, from other avatars, uh, from other saints, uh, and so on and so forth. It's not just a Something that happened, you know, here and there. There's six or two or eight different times, but this, this is his whole his whole leela. Hmm? And of course, there are times when it becomes more intense uh, and, and less intense. But but we find it early on in the, in the, in the leela, and then in Madhya leela, he's teaching about it and the auntie leela of course he's 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 gone he's lost that that's it he's he's forever in that uh internal um consciousness uh, oblivious to the external world so um 
the very embodiment of ecstasy. So it's a very, it's a very significant thing. We did it years ago. You may remember we were doing Clarion Call magazine. And we did it one, oh, yes. one of the issue, one of the we used to, the issues were each thematic. So we did one on ecstasy. Hmm? And uh, <laughs> we had a picture of Kitanya Mahaprabhu in the Rathiatra. It was our most popular issue. I didn't know at the time that there was a drug called ecstasy that was popular. <laughs> <laughs> But um, it's a popular topic, right? Ecstasy. Everyone's living for 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 that uh, those transcendental moments, right? Where we yes. Go. So um, you know, he's the embodiment of that. There, this is a very objective um, uh, statement. If you look cross culturally at different saints and religious traditions and avatars and, and whatnot, whatever anyone might call them in their particular tradition. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was characterized by this. There's no one who is more the embodiment of ecstasy hmm, than, and, and it overflowed and touched other people as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. I mean, the descriptions are consistent throughout every biography, every account of him, right? Hmm? So he's characterized yes. by, by this, and it's a good thing. Hmm? And, it, and, it, and it's an identifier. Hmm? This, is, this is how you can be at. This is how he can be identified as uh, what part of the, what aspect of divinity is this? It's the Mahabhavarata, the highest expression of transcendental love. Wow. And it corresponds with, with Krishna, Rasra. So, no, then, the second part of your question, you wouldn't find that in um, other avatar, Bhakunta avatar, Lorna Ryan avatar. You wouldn't find that. Uh, therefore, it's said that the, that the Yuga Dharma of Nams and Kirtan, hmm, which would be the uh, what the Gorin avatar distributed, hmm, has a certain efficacy that is different than the Maha Mantra when it's distributed by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who took the Yuga Dharma and wove it together in a garland with Prem. Gave it to Nityananda Prabhu and he gave it to the whole world. Garland did the world with this. So through the Sankirtan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which is the Yuga Dharma, but coming from Swayam Bhagavan, Radha Bhav, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the result is, 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 is Prem. One can, one can enter into Goloka, not just Mukti in Vaikuntha. So and therefore, Krishna Prema Pradayati, this is what he did. He gave out Krishna Prema, Mahabodhanaya, most magnanimous. His quality is that, he's most magnanimous. His Leela is Krishna Prema Pradayati. Mahabodhanaya, Krishna Prema Pradayati. Krishnaya, Krishna Chaitanya. His name is Krishna Chaitanya, Namne Gorakrasadam. And his form is. Is this is a nice verse. The qualities, the lila, the, 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 the name and the rupa and the form of uh, Jaitanya Mahaprabhu all in one verse glorified, attributed to Rupa Goswami. Okay, does that help? Oh, yes, Maharaj, very much. And the, the, well, based on what you just so beautifully shared, it, it, um, it, it occurs to me that it, it seems more clear now than ever before that 
without some uh, direct guidance from um, a teacher coming uh, from one of the lineages or branches uh, directly from Mahaprabhu, it's not really possible to follow uh, the verse in Bhagavad Gita, Yad Yad Acharati Shreshtas, because one could easily misunderstand what to follow the example of that, that Mahaprabhu did and what, what not to follow like that. Because oh, no. there are some things we can't follow. <laughs> that's right, exactly, exactly so. Yes. You yes. can't follow because it wouldn't be good for you. You can't follow because um, because it's because it's it's not possible to do. Hmm. Exactly, exactly, sure, of course. That's true, um, what you say, and it's uh, that's a point that we emphasize. Um, at the same time, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu tried to set a good example. Hmm? <laughs> but, but we have to look at Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and really understand he's Krishna. And you could say to Krishna, now wait a minute, Krishna. You said yadyadatratishreshtastate uh, that uh, yes. whatever great person does, others should follow. Yes. Therefore, you said in the Gita, you 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 follow the scriptures so that people will understand how to follow. Otherwise, everything will be lost. But what's with this? Uh, you know, these late night rendezvous um, <laughs> are so central to your your childhood. Um, should we dismiss your childhood and say, well, that was just childhood and now you're an adult speaking the Bhagavad Gita here. So Krishna himself is questionable in this regard. So maybe some questions surrounding Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's behavior, even though Grihijana Shikshaka Nayaka, not even though it's famous. He was an ideal example of a Grihasta. Yes, he was mad. That's true. Uh, <laughs> But he maintained his family, and he wasn't uh, womanizing with other women and so forth. And uh, he was, uh, um, in many respects, an ideal grihasta. Mm -hmm. And so he set that example. And he was an ideal sannyasin also. Mm -hmm. Yes. The other sannyasins were startled by that. So he did set a good example. But at times, his inner ecstasy taking over cause them to do things that are difficult to understand and impossible to imitate. Hmm? Right. Shimon Mahaprabhu, you jai. Jai. Thank you, Maharaj. Thank you so much. Okay. Hey, Simati. <coughs> Excuse me. Can you hear me, Guru Maharaj? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, my question is about when Mahavishnu stole all the uh, Brahmins' uh, children, and I think it was after the eighth or ninth one, and Arjuna had promised the Brahmin that, you know, that he would save the next one and mm -hmm. make sure that, uh, oh, the, the, ch the children were dying. And um, they didn't know that Mahavishnu was stealing them at that time. But um, so the, the last one died and Arjuna was going to um, take his own life because he wasn't able to keep the child from dying. So Krishna stopped him and they went to see Mahavishnu. 
And Mahavishnu said, um, you know, I have brought the two of you here because I wanted to see you who are my expansions who have descended to earth to save religious principles. So how is it that Mahavishnu would call Krishna his expansion when it's the opposite? Mm -hmm. I don't think the children died. They disappeared mystically, but um, they were all found. Mm into uh, the Vaikuntha uh, Loka within the within the within the Jagat. There's a particular place of Vishnu within the within the material world. Um, but at any rate, um, um, I'd have to look at the text itself, but the the comprehensive answer to your question is in uh, the Krishna Sandarbha, where this incident is underscored to uh, further demonstrate, which is what Krishna Sandarbha is all about, that Krishna is the source of all avatars, that Mahavishnu wanted to see Krishna mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and have his darshan. Mm -hmm. right. uh, therefore, he must be special. Um, now, why would he use that language, is your question, if that's the case? Well, uh, as I've said before, I think the way to answer that um, short of going into all the details of Krishna Sandarbha, which I don't have a, a tip of my um, tongue, um, but the, the, the way to answer that is, is that Krishna um, comes to the world. He's the avatari, the source of avatars. He comes to the world as an avatar, and he comes the way the other avatars come. Hmm? So. Mm -hmm. Let's take Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna. Right? He's the avatari. Yeah. But how did he come to the world? He came through, through Jagannath. Well, he came through Mahavishnu, mm. the form of Advaita, who drew him hmm, to the world for the work of the Avatar, right? So, mm -hmm. so uh, Advaita caused his 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 avatar, the avatari's avatar, the descent into the world. Mm -hmm. So uh, I give the example before that Prabhupada was was asked by a reporter in the United States, "If you're so uh, mystical, why didn't you come here on a flying carpet instead of on an air, <laughs> airplane?" And Prabhupada said, "Well, it's your country. It's your. I came on your terms. You know, I came on your terms." Uh, uh, I, I want to be uh, <laughs> get close to you and so forth. I want to create a greater distance. So, um, so this is the conventional way. The avatari comes through the avatar, but that's only superficial hmm, that he took that method to come. But the fact that Mahavishnu did all that to see him, hmm, to have his darshan, hmm, and right. uh, and so forth tells us there's more to the story, right? And the more of the story is that he's the avatari, he's the source, even to Mahavishnu, and that he's in the world doing extraordinary things is, uh, is, was extraordinary enough for Mahavishnu to find, a, uh, to come up with a scheme, right? By which he would get the darshan of Krishna and Arjuna together. Nice. Thank you. So Gayatri has another question. Okay. Uh, 
so I was wondering, uh, I read something. I can see you're talking, but I can't hear you. Um, I can hear her. Um, uh, should I should I press the English channel instead? Yeah, okay. press the English channel. Can you hear me now, Gumara? Yes. Okay, wonderful. Uh, I was wondering. I read uh, in the Srimad Bhagavatam um, that well, it's it's just let me see. It's it's the first chapter in the first canto. It's it's verse twenty one. It it says that knowing well that the age of Kali has already begun, we are assembled here in this holy place to hear at great length the transcendental message of Godhead and in this way perform sacrifice. And then in the purport, it is described how people in the age of Kali only live to be a hundred. So how is it then that these sages can sit down to hear the pastimes of the Lord over a period of 1,000 years if they are in the age of Kali? Uh, does the verse say 1,000 years? Yeah, yes, it, it does say in the purport that they sit down over a period of 1,000 years. Uh, what does the verse say again? Uh, it says, knowing well that the age of Kali has already begun, we are assembled here in this holy place to hear at great length the transcendental message of Godhead and in this way perform sacrifice. And in Prabhupada says what? And then Prabhupada it says uh, um, that um, so I don't well, I can get the verse up. I, I only wrote it down and I reacted to it saying uh, that they sit down over a period of 1,000 years. I can... Yeah, well, it would be good to see the context uh, to answer your question. Yeah. But um, but if it, if one way to think about that, of course, is the, the sacrifice, if it's, if, if it's set to be, you know, a number of years that extends beyond the life of those who have started it, it doesn't mean that it won't continue by their successors in an ongoing way. So if we sit to perform a thousand year sacrifice, we may only live a hundred years, but we have our successors who will carry it on and so forth would be one way of thinking about that. Does that help? Yeah, yeah, I think it, I, found, I found exactly what it says in the purport. And it says that um, the sages of Namisharanya began this process in a place meant specifically for the devotees of the Lord. They prepared themselves to hear the pastimes of the Lord over a period of one thousand years. Over more than a thousand years. Over a period of one thousand years. Yeah. So I think that's the way to think about it, through their, through their successors. Now, if it, it could be that they sat down to perform a thousand-year sacrifice, and then they did the sacrifice, and they, and they only got smoke from the fire, and they realized it's Kali Yuga. Mm -hmm. And when they sat for a thousand-year sacrifice, they suddenly realized it's Kali Yuga, and 
and that they're not going to be for a thousand years. So that now you turn their sacrifice into just hearing and chanting about the Lord, which is um, appropriate for Kali Yuga, something to that effect. That's another way of thinking about it. It's a little maybe different from what Prophet said, but um, that's also a possibility. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. All right, well, uh, we're just about out of time. Is there another short question or no? Um, we can ask anybody. Oh, yeah, Sharda said a follow-up to something within the last question. Did Ma Vishnu coming from Krishna have some kind of ecstasy of separation from Krishna? Pranams from Sharda. It said Ekala Ishwar Krishna Ar Sabritya. Ekala Ishwar Krishna Ar Sub Britya. So Ekala Ishwar. Only Krishna is the Ishwar, the, the God, the controller. Ekala Ishwar Krishna are sub Britya. And everybody else is Britya, servant. So this is a statement that's made, I believe, maybe in Chaitanya Charitamrita. And the idea being that even the different avatars are all servants, ultimately, of, of Krishna as well. Mm -hmm. So in service to Krishna, there are there is union and separation. So in a broad sense, uh, we could say something like that. But it's not typical that, that Mahavishnu uh, will be pining for a... Um, for union with Krishna in Vaikuntha. He, has, he is Krishna who has his own leela in Vaikuntha and his own devotees and so on and so forth. But there may be instances in which, for example, the Prakat leela, Krishna comes, it's special, then he, and he has special feelings for uh, his, his source, if you will, and um, seeks an opportunity to have a starshan to serve him, something to that effect. But it's not typical. Again, this is Krishna is, is uh, um, manifests in different ways. And those leelas, those, those forms, Matura and Dwarka, Vaikuntha uh, and so on and so forth, they all have their own purpose and he's fully absorbed therein in that purpose. Although yeah, from time to time, there may be instances that arise. For example, in Vaikuntha, Gopu Kumar and Brigham Bhagavatamrita came there. Mm -hmm. And so maybe then special feelings arose in, in Mahavishnu for Krishna. And he showed the Krishna, Krishna Leela to, to um, I couldn't the version of that to, to Gopu Kumar. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's, it's typically, um, we would not characterize Krishna's different avatars as um, feeling uh, separation from him in the way that devotees feel love and union and, and, and separation. Although they, they are servants of Krishna, ultimately, in one sense, um, they are more objects of bhakti for other types of servants. Servants in Vaikuntha have Narayan as as their object of worship. So he's playing the role as the object of worship rather than as the worshiper. And in the case of the worshiper, then feeling separation can come. So maybe some, this may be some instance like that we hear in the Bhagavatam, but um, a more 
and in an overriding sense, Mahavishnu and their avatars are characterized as being objects of love. They are, when it's said in the in the Bhagavad in, in, in Bhagavad Samhita Sindhu, when Rupa Goswami defines bhakti, he says, Ana, he says, um, um, uh, so Krishna Anushila means Krishna, the, the culture, bhakti is, is, is not covered by jnana and karma, and it is the ongoing culture of devotion to Krishna, and here Krishna means as well as other avatars. So again, in those forms, he is the object of love, more than he is in the role of a lover who would feel separation. So that's a nice question, and I hope the answer is helpful. And with that, we come to the end of the session today. So I hope to be with you next week. Yeah, Got you. Well, thank you so much.